0: Hello, everyone. It's Jim Laskowski. Welcome to an exciting brand new episode of Directors Club, featuring two interviews with two wonderful directors. A bonus episode, if you will. It's been a while. In the midst of a pandemic and so much more, uh, I have been in touch with publicists actively. But as soon as the uh, new year came around, I knew I wanted to keep... Keep at it, you know, with great content that includes conversations with filmmakers about their craft, you know, and I think it's important to get their perspective and talk with them when they want to talk about their work. Mm -hmm. You know, most of it is spoiler free. I would say these, yeah, definitely these conversations you're about to hear are, um, and they're about two very interesting films coming out on VOD. Well, actually, one of them is already out On VODL We'll get to that in a second Um, Now this episode technically follows episode 185 That you heard all about the the great Roy Anderson And my guest, Sean Pierce Is an immensely talented, award-winning director His uh, latest film I've just seen And it's truly, truly terrific I gotta say Uh, Funny, poignant, really dark And uh, also has something to say It's called how to Caulk your bathtub yes, i I believe that's the title. Hope I got that right. Um, sometimes you should have notes just in case, but hopefully that's the title, <laughs> but I don't believe it is uh accessible online yet, not on the vimeos or whatever, but it's 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 you know hitting hitting the festivals, it's winning awards. Really proud of Sean Pierce for his incredible talent. And uh, a great episode, I hope that you enjoyed. And during that episode, I mentioned somebody by the name of Jillian Wallace Horvath. And that's my first guest that you're about to hear. It's funny, I also ran into her at Vidiot's Trivia Night, which was a nice surprise. Uh, the first time I t- participated last month, it was in 11th place. With, you know, th- I'm not going to brag, because there's a lot of teams, a lot of hard work. A lot of a lot of participants. I'm it's over 150 this time, uh, and this time I was tied for fourth place, and I don't know what to say about that. Um, it, it's crazy because I know for a fact that you know this is points based, but uh, I, screenshots from random movies is not my forte. I, I I gotta say I did get a few right, but for the most part, I think that's where I uh, I bombed but most of the trivia i kind of knew um there was a black exploitation question or two that i was a little sketchy on and wish i had sergio nearby to help but um you know it's it's a wonderful event i'm going to link to this event and future events and vidiots all things related to vidiots because i want that video store to stay open and thrive i've uh, giving money to it and will do so on a monthly basis so that's vidiots you know out in LA they're keeping it real I gotta say um, so yeah getting back to Jillian I think you know like I said I mean it's it's, it's, it's re- remembering certain scenes from movies is not always easy but I think there are, there are definitely going to be some screenshots or scenes from Jillian's feature debuted, entitled "I Blame Society," and it's a dark mockumentary satire that you just heard me praising and reviewing in detail in the last episode. So I'm not going to go on too long introducing it, but suffice to say, it's one of my favorite films of 2021. Uh, a lot's being written about it. I can't wait to read it all, and it's uh, it's really fascinating. And we have a good discussion, albeit short. I I have to admit, um, this past week we had some of the worst weather here in Chicagoland. And the internet went down at work uh, while I was preparing a safe, quiet place for me to do the interview. And uh, I panicked and had to do it from my phone. But I was a little bit more off my game, a little nervous maybe, because uh, I wasn't in my comfort zone. I was talking over the phone, which is ridiculous. Like, Oh yeah. That thing we all used to do all the time and stay up till two in the morning doing, uh, yeah, I got nervous talking on the phone. It's pretty weird. So it's, it's a shorter interview than normal. Uh, but I think a lot of great points she brings up is worth hearing as well as learning more about this film. so I, like I said, it's, this comes from a true blue cinephile, and you can tell that she's done a lot of great writing, documentary making, um, and her short films have won awards uh, at South by Southwest. And I tell you, once you see I Blame Society, you'll know why she's winning awards. So stop listening to me ramble on how you know great she is. Just... Listen to her speak so eloquently about what it was like making such an audacious treat like I blame society. so just um you know tell me a little bit about the inception of of, the, of this particular story what motivated you to have it come into fruition clearly this feels like a passion project for you
1: yeah um I guess it all started uh I was in a bar with a couple of friends and they gave me this compliment that I would make a good murderer and then <laughs> Um, I definitely thought it was a compliment. I think that when anybody says that you'd be good at anything, that they're saying something nice and you should say thank you. So, yes. so you know, we were talking about um, what, you know, what it is, what are the qualities that make a good murderer? And it's somebody who has um, a vision of how they want to accomplish a goal Somebody who uh, knows how to improvise when uh, things come up that are obstacles. Uh, Somebody that can can see a project through and that is self motivated and that is, uh, you know, can take criticism but but move beyond it and and you know feels a sense of conviction behind what they're doing and won't be deviated from that goal and that basically is also describes what makes a good independent filmmaker so (laughs) when you know we put that together I was like ah quality's a good murder means you know same qualities as a good filmmaker that's interesting and so that's kind of how the project started
0: yeah and it's (laughs) it's incredibly successful but you know I think you, you have the singular voice and originality throughout, but did you study like maybe the mockumentary genre or were there touchstones or inspirations that kind of guided you? I actually I actually thought of to die for a little bit watching this.
1: Oh, that's so cool. I actually I did um I just did the Switchblade Sisters podcast and they asked me what I wanted to talk about. I said to die for because I got,
0: oh cool. All right.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, like um you know, Buck Henry was a mentor of mine. It definitely. You know, that's an amazing film and she's an amazing bad girl. Um, And so I think that characters like that uh, are so cathartic to watch. They definitely allow us to act out on the aggression that we feel and in a healthy way. So I I think characters like that are are really, um, they're some of my favorites for sure. Um, I didn't look at many mockumentaries per se or many found footage movies Mm -hmm. uh, because most of them cheat. And so I didn't want to cheat during my film. I was like, I was like, I know that I want to be very rigorous formally with this film and I have my ideas in terms of that. So more, I kind of was thinking a, um there there is one film though that's not very well known that i i think is an amazing found footage film it's very kind of a found footage film before the genre existed and it's this movie called coming apart with rip oh. torn have you heard of that
0: no i haven't but i, I, I love rip torn so I'm yeah
1: gonna this on my list. i think it's from the it's like from 69 or something is the year maybe i'm not exactly sure <laughs> But it was, um, it's this movie about this psychiatrist and he, um, you know, he has his sessions in his apartment and he is uh, taping these sessions, but he also is um having affairs with different women including his ex-wife and people and um and also affairs with his patients and he's taping he's taping all of it through this hidden camera but like in a little mirrored box and it's a hidden like 16 millimeter camera um and so the film is all this one angle locked down um there are cuts it's not like a one or anything um but it's so it just feels very real. Like you've stumbled on like a document from a, from a crime scene or like from a psychiatric case study or something, because obviously he's a totally unhinged sociopath who is a psychiatrist. And I, I also I really look to his performance to inform my performance because I loved his his sense of self-awareness, meaning he's the yeah. only person in the film who knows that they're being taped all the time and this kind of constant abstracted mindset of you know knowing while you're talking that somebody could be watching this later uh, it kind of precipitates a dissociation and a dissociation in his in his manner and so I thought that was something that I could draw upon for playing this character
0: yeah, and it's and it's clear that you care about the psychology of the character that you are playing, and it's not just you know a goof or something. You know, it's like you are you are taking this seriously, but you are also concerned about the consequences of doing certain things and what what it means to film it all. And I, I know for some writer directors, it, it, it's got to be challenging to add you know acting to that list of jobs because I, I would imagine it might be challenging to edit yourself in a way like. What was the editing process like? Because I'm guessing you had to have some input from others just to get like an outside perspective.
1: You know, I, I it wasn't it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed turning over some of that power to to the editor in a way of being like, oh, you know, maybe I'm a little too. I'm a little too close to this scene and I feel like I don't really have any objectivity because not only was I on set that day, I was on camera that day. So just, you know, it was really important to have our editor's input on, on how she felt just looking at the footage. Um, But I have to say from a potentially narcissistic standpoint, (laughs) I was really proud of myself that I never picked a take just because I thought I was, that was my best looking take. I really picked the take where everything, you know, it was, it was the best take, best lines, best camera move, but best whatever it wasn't. Uh, there, there was no, there's no vanity in, in the editing room.
0: Yeah, I got, I got that sense completely from even just watching the film and your actors all seem quite comfortable <laughs> with this rather dark material. But did, did you have like a traditional audition process for
1: this? No, I mean, it was so such a low, 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 <laughs> low budget movie that um, it was a lot of uh, asking friends to, to to be in it and writing for friends who you knew would do it ahead of time and kind of helping so that helped, you know, knowing that, you know, Chase was going to play chase and that keith polson was going to play keith and um and that was that was definitely helpful i mean it for the roles where we had to cast people that we didn't know it was a, it was a it was a big challenge as it is at any sure. and as it yeah. is a low budget yeah
0: yeah i can imagine it's but everybody's great and it seems like everybody's game and certainly you know, how how things play out is a genuine surprise. I'm not going to go into spoilers, of course, but um, in the end, what do you hope, you know, that viewers of this film get out of this experience? Because I think, you know, with both this and uh, more recently, you know, Promising Young Women, uh, I'm glad that these stories are being told, really. You know, especially by incredibly talented and smart women like yourself. Um, would what would you what would you like folks to experience and and sort of think about when the film is over when they're done watching it
1: well I really would like them to have um to have been entertained and to have really run through a gamut of feelings as they watch the film um I would like for them to have um to have laughed, but also to have been disturbed, to <laughs> have been rooting for her, and then also at times felt complicated about rooting for her. But in the end, to to understand her and and to understand where where women like her come from, um, that um, that there are st- there there is still work to be done, and uh, you know. In not just in the film industry, but in in all industries where where women are struggling for wage equality, for parity, uh, for all of those things that you know the Me Too movement didn't didn't solve anything, and it, except for getting rid of you know some toxic guys, but just you know I it hasn't helped in the situation of um, a rise in representation. And that work really still still needs to be done. You know, I've been looking at some statistics that um, actually um, job opportunities for female directors have decreased in the past couple of years. Um, you know, it, they were on an upward trend, and past two years they've gone they've gone down. Um, Free the Work is a really great organization, and they've been kind of they pointed out that, um, usually very few women direct Super Bowl commercials. Um, you know, it's always been like plateaued around four out of 50 or something. And then last year, I think there was like, or wait, no, it was like, it it was like plateaus, like something like, you know, like nine out of 50. And like this year was something like four out of 73. And it's just like, it's just, it's really bad. And I think that, uh, I mean, there's nobody to blame, but you know, part of the the Me Too movement has meant that, you know, I think that some men have closed ranks in the sense of they're like, they're like, wow, you know, rather than like like feeling like their behavior is open to such scrutiny that it might just be best to not have women around on sets anyway, or in you know, in pitch meetings or things that You know, sure, they might be called bigots, but at least they'll have a job the next day, you know? And so I think that the Me Too movement was amazing for opening a discussion and getting and realizing that people, uh, you know, want to see women directing and want to change the conditions under where they're working, where that made that difficult. But I think the solution needs to be a lot more. Holistic and comprehensive than you know minor workplace calling. It needs to be you know kind of a bit more ideological, and um, I hope that what my film does is uh, in in where it's successful and people enjoy it. Being like, oh, you know, I liked watching this movie that this woman made, and. Um, and, and that was based on you know her original idea, maybe we should make more of those. I think that the more original ideas we see from women and but getting budgets for that, that'll be useful.
0: That's exactly my feelings when I was done watching. It's like, this is what I want more of. I, I mean, obviously a change has got to come. And like you said, the Me Too movement certainly initiated a conversation and there's an awareness now. Now I think the actions have to be put into place and more things have to happen so we can get great art like this truly I, that's that's how i felt for, for, for a little while now but your film sort of solidified that feeling and i'm really grateful for it and obviously it was entertaining on top of all uh, on top of everything including its incredible message it's one of the most funny movies and one of the most disturbing movies and i'm uh, really grateful for it so thank you so much for your film and your time today. I, I'm going to tell everybody to see it for sure.
1: Thank you, Jim. I really, really, really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, no problem. Okay, I look forward to your future work too. Take care.
1: Thank you. Okay,
0: bye bye. Oh, that went great, man. Wow. Um. So yeah, next up, we have a talk with Mike P. Nelson, who previously gave us the salad debut, the domestics, which played the Sin Apocalypse, I believe, a few years back but for his latest work, he is actually delving into the dun-dun-dun-dreaded reboot slash remake. Um, you know, I remember when I went to the theater to see the Dawn of the Dead remake, and I was just like, nope, I'm going to hate this. I just, I just know it. Fast zombies suck. But you know what? I wound up liking it. I think I still do. <laughs> so I say that because... That was a surprise. And uh, this 2021 version of Wrong Turn, well, it's more than meets the eye. It's a surprise as well. Uh, gone are cannibals, and this time they're replaced with, well, well, you see it. Uh, I definitely wasn't looking forward to it until I saw Mike's name was attached and was even more enthralled when I actually sat down to watch the film, which is good. It's very good. Um, it contains some you know, wonderful surprises, and some memorable performances. So, uh, yeah. And Matthew, Matthew Modine shows up. Huh. Who knew? I, know, I don't know if he'd ever done a genre film like this. But, you know, Mike is very passionate about the horror genre and so much more. I'm really looking forward to whatever he does next. Uh, which, you know, I wouldn't expect to be wrong turn two, you know, remade. But you never know. Things are weird right now. Uh if you're looking for some good old-fashioned escapist revenge uh survival horror look no further you got it right here with wrong turn and here's my talk with mike p nelson about the 2021 take on that film great to talk with you i whoo what a film (laughs) a genuine surprise indeed because let me be honest when i saw when i first saw the trailer for the original wrong turn i kind of went do i need to see another retread of texas chainsaw massacre really (laughs) you know yeah Yeah. but then of course i saw it with an open mind and it was effective and accomplished what it what it set out to do um but then again, when I heard there was going to be a reboot or remake of Wrong Turn, I said, do we need another one of those?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and minute, you and me both, man. You and me both. Like, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I felt the same way when that script popped into my inbox.
0: Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. It's like there's there's got to be some skepticism. Um, but of course, I watched it. And once again, I was completely caught up in everything that happened. And found it to be a complete success. I mean, it in a way, it's like it's almost how I felt about the Dawn of the Dead remake by mm-hmm. um, by Zack Snyder, which again was a genuine surprise because I walked into that not expecting much. But obviously, um, when you read the script, what made you say, "Okay, this is this is going to work. I can I can do this."
2: Well, yeah. Okay, so when I got the script again, like you're thinking wrong turn. Oh my gosh. Okay. Like this is not what I was expecting to be doing as a next project, but you know, let's, let's take a look. Let's at least keep an open mind right? and uh, read it and, you know, get through that first 40, 50 pages. And you're like, okay, this is, this is pretty wrong turny. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, young adults in the woods, you know, traps getting picked off. I'm 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 into I mean I'm into it like it's fun it's you know it's nothing like a hundred percent new but it's fun um and then suddenly the middle of the movie happens and mm-hmm. I'm just like what in the world is going on here this is this is not the wrong turn I was expecting and um to be honest with you after I read the script I I didn't know what to think right away I was kind of like huh and, is, and isn't this the original screenwriter of the original? Yeah. Which is which is one of the reasons why, because, like, I do like the original Wrong Turn. I, you know, it's it's not, like, anything that, like, I, I would, like, go out of my, like, I wrote home about or, like, you know, freaked out about. But, like, I actually Same. really yeah. enjoyed it as a horror as a, a slasher, you know, gory slasher movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, but when I heard that, like, the original writer was doing it, I'm like, okay. I was like, that's kind of cool that, like, the original writer gets to, like revamp his own story and yeah i can't
0: think of other examples of that really i mean other than the funny games remake yeah
2: sure you you know and and so i was you know honestly I, i was i was floored by it but like also like i didn't know what to think of it right away yeah but you know a few days went by i just let it kind of stew and i couldn't stop thinking about it and i couldn't stop thinking about like where the movie went and how surprising that was um, and I was just like, you know, I actually kind of like it. Like it kind of, it started to grow on me as like, can you imagine making this movie and, and having an audience feel the same way you did after reading it? Like, and and that's kind of like <laughs> where, it, that, what came to my mind was, I was like a movie that like, you think you are going into something, thinking one thing, and then you walk out being like, what in the heck was, what happened? And I was like, that would be real, a really special thing. And so, you know, talking with Alan, uh, the writer and then um, Robert Culzer, the, the, the producers um, at Constantine, it was, it was so clear to me after talking with them that like they wanted to do something super new and super unique um, and, they, and, and they weren't afraid of it. Like they were just like, no, we know that this is like very different uh, but we wanted to do a wrong turn for right now we know there's no more and this is a little bit of a spoiler but I think everybody fucking knows by now um there's no cannibals and we know that's going to be a problem for a lot of people um but you know what that's that this is the movie we want to make and uh what do you think and I was like oh my gosh I I want to make this with you because just knowing that there were two people the two main people involved were so on board with doing something that bold and taking and completely re um, this 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 franchise, I was like, I yes, I'm in. And so I pitched, and got the gig, um, and uh, here we are. Like it was it, it was it was a blast. Yeah, and you're right, it's bold,
0: <laughs> and I admire that. I think that's exactly what makes it work. And I think you have to take risks these days and you know I absolutely. was absolutely yeah and, and I was in a grad level uh, class recently talking about horror and how I'm grateful when when genre films actually have something to say mm-hmm. you know whether as social or political commentary I mean, I mean I think it probably goes back to my first experience with with horror in my teens with they live where oh my the
2: I mean, carpenter was the king of that I mean, yeah you can, even, you can even find the social commentary in halloween Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And that's... I I want a film to sort of comment on the world around us, but not in a preachy way. Um, And not also just be scary or shocking. I think, you know, obviously, Texas Chainsaw is one of my top five favorites, and that has a lot of commentary for its time. But, you know, was that something you knew you wanted to include in this, I mean, obviously I'm I'm guessing that was in the, uh, in the script, but did you, did you sort of confer with him and sort of talk about some of the more, you know, political or social ideas going on here? Because you gave it, you gave it some subtext in other words.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely there in, in, in the, in the draft of the script that I read and you you could feel it. Um, You know, I think the first draft, you know, was it was definitely very, it was, a, it was actually, so we, we do have it, obviously it, it tons of it made it into the movie, um, but it was, it was actually even more heavy-handed um, in the original draft, and yeah. we kind of, we kind of uh, to, to your point, we kind of like stripped it down a little bit not to make it as preachy, like there's still some moments, but we felt like the moments that were preachy in, in the version that you see in the movie were moments that actually pay off later on Uh, um and so we got rid of the stuff that was really super in your face on the nose and we and we really just like baked it down to the the moments that we needed to to get it across um absolutely though like i mean when 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 i read this what what really stuck out to me was wow it's really talking about you know um where we are now i mean this Mm -hmm. is back in 2017 and this was before 2020 sure like 2020 like you know the the bomb exploded but like, you know, in 2017, something was bubbling. Something was boiling, you know, and and, uh, and, and Alan could feel it. You know, I'm reading the script. I can, I can feel it. And so it's like, yeah, there's this thing underneath it all. That's like, you want to stereotype people. You want to judge people before you get to know them. You are going to be, you're going to get in trouble. And that's going to be dangerous. And that's what happens to all of our characters in this movie. That's what's what was so unique is not only does it happen to our quote-unquote, protagonists, which, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the people that the story is, you know, centered around, but you can see it within our antagonists, um, you mm-hmm. know, both, you know, the the townsfolk and and the the foundation um, are, quote-unquote, antagonists. They all, it's like this triangle. They all do it to each other. They all stereotype each other. They all judge each other. Did I lose you? Oh, no, I'm here. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, they, they, all, they all judge each other. They all stereotype each other. They all assume the worst about each other. Right. And that gets every single one of them into trouble. And I loved that. I thought that that was such a, uh, I thought it was such a, such a great theme, such a great message, um, such a challenging message because there wasn't necessarily um, the, the clean cut bad guy and the clean cut protagonist. And I know a lot of people don't like that. Um, and we knew that that would cause some, some issues with some, pe- with people because, you know, people want to see, people want to see a point of view, but they almost want to see a point of view where like, you know, they can pick a side and it's been interesting hearing people's conversations about this movie because people, there's some people who love that they can understand the point the the foundation's point of view mm-hmm. and kind of like, be like, you know what? I, I get it. Like, they're not perfect, but I get it. And then there's some people who are like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I like somehow side with these people who are like mauling people and burning their eyes out and like, you know, doing these terrible things. Like, and, and I think, you know, that can get confusing to people. And I think that that's also okay. I think in storytelling and especially a story like this, I think the world isn't as cut and, and dry as, as, as we, we want it to be. I think you get to know somebody who you might think is a scary, maybe, um, uh, a, a person with, with very different views than you that, you know, you don't want anything to do with because, oh, I know that they're they're not good because <laughs> they think this way. And then you sit down with them and you have a beer and then you realize, oh shit, okay. I, yeah, we're I human. Didn't realize, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize that, you know? And, and that doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. Right. But it also means that they're a fucking human being you know, and, and, and there's, there's maybe reasons why they, they believe something. Um, it's, I don't know, like it's, it was a really interesting exercise that, that Alan, you know, uh, put on the page with this and, you know, it was something that, you know, playing with it in a horror film, I thought was, was going to be a really, you know, exciting experience. And it was.
0: Yeah. And it creates that gray area you're mentioning in a way that, uh, Made, made me think a little bit of uh, Midsummer because at first <laughs> you're very judgmental about this community and yep. what they're doing and how they're doing, you know, their way of life. And it's certainly very different <laughs> than the way we're used to living. Yep. And at the same time, by the end, you know, the, the, the lead character um, played by Florence Pugh finds her sense of community there. You know, yeah. like she finds a connection that she wasn't able to find back home with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So it, it sort of plays with your expectations a little bit, and obviously we can't go too in depth with the plot details here. But yeah, there's just sort of a, a little bit of a similar arc and kind of a surprise too.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. You know, with Charlotte Vega's character, but I'm also curious about the casting process. You know, how did you know that these were the right actors that you were looking for? I mean, Bill Sage has been in a ton of stuff. And of course, Matthew Modine was a welcome surprise to see as as the father here. Um, but most of the uh, victims, quote unquote, were new faces for me. Uh, but I, I definitely thought Charlotte Vega was, you know, commanded the screen quite well at times. So how, how did you know that these were the right people for the story?
2: Well, you know, we, we went through, you know, we went through casting, like like any movie does. And, um, you know, Charlotte was a name that came up in, in a group of, of actresses. And uh, she really, there was something that, that struck me about her, just as somebody that was, uh, somebody that you could connect with, you know what I mean? like yeah. Somebody that like felt very real, um, that didn't feel like, you know, um, like, an actress in a horror film you know what I mean and, and and I like that and you know I, I watched uh one of her films The Lodger and she uh which was this this kind of spooky supernatural um um ghost film mm. and That's she crazy. was such a presence in that movie and just carried that film all the way and I was like man we need somebody like that in our film like I mean Jen is the lead in this movie and you have to like be with her every single step of the way. Uh, otherwise, it, it, the film is going to fall into the typical like horror, you know, what I mean, you could say that. I mean, the same thing, like you look at like a movie like Midsummer and Florence Pugh, like you can't stop watching her. Like she commands exactly. your attention every moment. And um, so that's super important. Like, and that to me is so much more important than star power so much more important than, you know, somebody on Instagram with, you know, <laughs> 20 million followers, like, you know, and, 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 but like, you know, making a movie, you know, making a, a, a multi-million dollar movie, like, you'd be surprised, like, how many, how many directions you get told, like, well, how many followers does she have? Wait, well, what has she been in? It doesn't matter. Did, right. did you see how awesome she, like, she's amazing. She's a great actress. Like, we need her in this movie. And, um, Again, it, it speaks to the it speaks to the um, the the sense of community and the um, and the crew on this and you know the, the producers and even I mean I have to give the studio credit for just like for saying yes like if you believe in this Mike we're gonna go this direction and uh, you know that's that doesn't always happen and so we got Charlotte that was a blessing um and you know i don't know what the movie would have been without her she's fantastic in it um and then of course matthew modine came through and you know he really liked the script he was like kind of like whoa I- i've never done a movie like this before right it was a lot of fun you know but he also you know one thing that matthew modine you know said was you know he goes i get this like i have a daughter that's sure. about this same age and i'm just going to do and do things that i would do as as my as a dad to her you know and And I thought that was just really great. You know, he's, he wasn't trying to be an action star. He wasn't trying to, you know, you know, load up all of his guns and go out and start shooting people that, you know, could have taken his daughter. He just wanted to go find her. He loved her. He loves her. You know what I mean? And that, and that, that, that drive to me is what he was really able to, to, to make come across. Um, For sure. Obviously a Bill Sage, who's just a powerhouse, you know, (laughs) and, you know, and, and just, and just, leveled everyone with with uh with uh, the character of, of of venable and i mean you, you could you could have a whole whole podcast just about working with bill he's just he's a phenomenal human being yeah um, what a presence man Whew. yeah I, I, and yeah i know i know i'm so so fortunate again that we were able to again another name that like you know you know where people were like well do we need somebody do we need more of a name than that I'm just like dude Bill Sage can fucking act man Man. like (laughs) he is he is a force to be reckoned with just give you got to give this a shot I know it's I know it could be a risk but damn it we got to go for it and you know I don't think anybody's regretting that decision um uh and then of course you have you have the rest of the 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 cast the the young cast you know you got um you got uh Adrian uh Aiden, uh, Adam, uh, sorry, Dylan, um, and, uh, and Emma. Um, and they were, I mean, I mean, it's a big, big cast of young people. And these were all people that I was able to look at their work and they all were like, they all were like the ones that, sh- that were shining, you know what I mean? Oh yeah.
0: You believe that they're, that they're friends and that they have a camaraderie together. Well,
2: And, and what was cool about that was, so after we cast the movie, It was was a matter of, you know, I I reached out to all of them and I connected them all. And I said, okay, everyone, um, I know we start shooting in a few weeks, but before that happens, I would, now I know it was tough for Charlotte because she was, she's from Spain. So she wasn't here at the time, Um, but everybody else was, was either in uh, LA or New York. And I was like, I would really love for you guys to hang out over these next few weeks before we start shooting. And they did, they all got together. They all, you know, connected online. They all emailed, they all, you know, got on the phone. They all, you know, Skype, whatever it was. And you could tell when they came to set like they already knew each other and it was so awesome to have that yeah. um, from the get-go. And, um, and it also just showed like, you know how professional they were at this, that this is, they really, they really wanted this to work. And it was all, I mean, every single one of them that I talked to, they all mentioned, they were like, so this is like a, this is like a, this ensemble of, of of young people. Like, it's important that we have chemistry. And I was like, exactly, that's why we're doing this. Like, this is why this is gonna be so important. And of course, over the course of shooting, that chemistry just, just flourished and grew and grew. And, you know, um, the order that we shot, you know, also helped that as well. And we were able to, uh, know some of the later uh, stuff that we shot that you know happens earlier on in the movie you really see those those quips and those quirks and you get to see like you know the things that actually that that um things like in real life of of them like that they loved about each other coming through things that like annoyed them about each other coming through like and (laughs) it was really cool to watch that through the lens uh kind of come to life
0: yeah and Again, like it's 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 important that the audience actually cares about each of them, and that they're not just all, you know, stereotypes in a slasher movie. You know, know? because otherwise, it's like I just can't wait for that person to die. And I don't know, there's there's fun to be had in that experience, but not not so much lately. Especially as I'm getting older, (laughs) I'm actually like, you know, having more empathy and. Like I, I don't want to watch that type of horror movie anymore, where it is really just like here's a bunch of annoying annoying characters getting killed off randomly. Um, oh, I know.
2: I and that that's I I can't agree with you more there. Like, well, it yeah. also creates the the feeling of fear mm. and dread. Um, watching the film, I think escalates because of that. Because if you like these people, and especially the characters that you know aren't going to make it to the end, and then I mean, you have a character that that dies. Like, it's so important that like you feel that that it's not just fodder. Um, I hate when movies do that. Like, it's it's just it's such a trope, and I think it's it's such a tired trope that that just that needs to be reworked. Like, I think we're over that. We we've we've we're over the hump with that stuff right now. You know what I mean? Like, you, I think every single character you put on screen, um, there needs to be something about them that you can connect to. Um, as small as it may be um, especially in a horror film because uh, moving forward if something happens to them you want to be like oh shit um, and <laughs> not to mention like then you have the other characters in the movie that have to react to that um, in a way that like feels feels heavy you know mm-hmm. keep, so many horror films you know somebody dies and then they move on and you know that was something that we wanted to do with this that do something so different with this was you know when our first character gets it you know, you're just kind of like you feel this pain that this group is experiencing and you feel like that death carries through the rest of the movie.
0: It's so visceral. <laughs> it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, my God. Uh, and, and to me, like, you know, the, like we're talking about, the, the violence is in service of the characters in the plot, you know, and it's not gratuitous. It's not done for shock. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's going to, it's going to cause these characters more fear and more dread. And I, uh, I certainly appreciated that, but I'm also curious about how do you collaborate with your crew in making sure it's as effective as it is? Cause you know, that first kill, man, <laughs> and it's so beautifully edited. I can't say enough good things about that sequence. Um,
2: oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Um you know I, again i think you have to go in with a clear point of view right. on what you want the scene to be um, the scene is always going to slightly change and differ from that initial vision but i i think you know i was listening to a um to a uh, an interview once with um uh, david o russell and mm-hmm. one thing that i felt like was super smart that he said was um you go into a scene um you can't just like he goes, if you go into a scene just like, well, whatever happens, happens. Uh, and you want that feeling of like, you know, you know, organic filmmaking nature. He's like, you're not gonna get that. He's like, if you can go in with a clear point of view and a vision, um, the universe is gonna know that you have that vision and things aren't always going to end up the way that you wanted them to, but there's the opportunity that they can be better. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go in with that clear point of view, I think like, that's, that was such a, an eye-opening thing. So when you go in, you talk to your crew. You say, this is how I want it to be. I want it like this. I want it like this. And suddenly, as you start working with it, you find all these different little things that reveal themselves as, wow, this is even better than we were expecting. Or, wow, this, this feels even raw or worse. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. and then suddenly, and this isn't all the time, but a lot of the times, the scene becomes better for it, you know? Um, and, and I mean, that, I think a lot of that was, was for that sequence from, from when the tree was rolling to when, you know, to when um, our character is, is crushed um, through, through the, 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 the heartbreak of, of, of those characters dealing with that, that death.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it was finding those things, knowing where it needs to go and having the idea and that vision. But then like, for instance, uh, when the characters are, are freaking out after they find, find the body, um that was a moment where I had all the the actors come out onto that hillside Gary was the the body was crushed and um I said okay let's talk about this how do you how how do you think you'd feel about this and we sat there on that hill in front of that dead body talking for about an hour It's almost like
0: group therapy
2: for some. No, it it, it was it was this crazy thing because like I remember our AD Doug, who I love to death, was just like, "Oh my god, Mike! Oh my god! Like we can't we can't just sit here and talk. Like we got to keep moving. Like we need this moment. We need to just give me some more time." And so we did it for about an hour, and we just sat there and talked about it, and then we shot it three times, three times (laughs) with two camera coverage, cut all the moment the best moments of them all together with that with those three takes, and, but again like sitting down and talking to them and letting them hash it out and discuss like how they all feel about this how they would feel how they felt was just like this it was such an amazing experience uh, working with the actors and doing that
0: yeah and i can tell i mean you care about the emotional stakes too as mm-hmm. opposed to just again making this a you know a visceral roller coaster ride which it is but there's still there's still weight behind everything there's still depth to the characters and i think you accomplished that here but uh you know for my last question i just want to know in general what do you hope you know people get out of the experience of seeing this because a lot of people i talk to want want to escape especially lately (laughs) from the horrors of the world and but I, I always make the argument that I think confronting it in a safe space for catharsis is actually really beneficial, you know, for, for your psychological health. <laughs> and I think good horror films like this achieve that, where you get to have that catharsis and experience. But what, what, what do you hope that people who, you know, who, whoever chooses to venture out into the woods with these characters, what do you hope that they feel in the end?
2: You know, it's funny because like I, um, um, my grandmother, who's like ninety six <laughs> years old, um, she's never seen any of my movies, and it's probably for the best. But she asked me, I, I've shown her trailers and stuff, and and some clips, and and so like she's gotten a little taste. But she often is like, "So you really like this stuff? Why why do you like all this this blood and and these and you know this killing and 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 this scary stuff? Like I don't understand it." And I and I tell her, I'm, I'm like. I love the feeling of being scared. And if I can do it safely in a dark room um, and, and, and have my, my senses sort of assaulted, it, it's a feeling that actually makes me feel good. Um, yeah. I don't like, I, I, I have a really hard time um, confronting like real life violence and, and stuff like that. It's, it's oh, a, sure. a, a thing and I think it is for a lot of people. Um, but when it comes to storytelling, and experiencing some of these things in a space like in a theater or or in your living room, um, you know, I really I think it's I think it is I think it's a healthy thing I think it's um, I think it can be an enjoyable experience um, and that's the way that I look at it. Um, you know, I think that you know, especially with horror and going back to what you said about learning something when you watch a movie, I think you know, with a movie like this, I hope that people can look at it, they can sit down and watch it, um, they can have a good time, they can. They can, you know, experience all the thrills and the, and, and the excitement and the, and the violence and, 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 and be really shocked at, at times. But also they can, they can walk away being like, they can think about, you know, what they, the way that they think in, in their own life, you know, mm. the way that, you know, or the way that they see things now and the way that people, you know, are so quick to judge, the way that, you know, it's so much easier for us to write a lewd comment towards somebody on Reddit or on Facebook than it is to like sit down and talk with them face to face and understand. Yeah. Um and I think that's that's just where we are right now and I think it's really sad. Um I think there's that lack of human connection that has made us actually even worse and more judgmental and I think, you know, that's something that I'd love people to to take from this from this film.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you brought that to this film because again, my my initial impression was going to be an- another remake, huh? Okay. <laughs> but I also saw your previous film and thought that was quite good man and so i was i was anticipating this based on your name and it it really was a, really was a success i i i can't wait for everybody to see this and i'm going to tell all my friends and obviously all the podcast listeners will undoubtedly want to check it out because they're huge horror fans
2: oh man well, I, I really appreciate that man really yeah do. no problem
0: thanks for your time mike and and again congratulations on the film and i'm looking forward to whatever's next
2: all right. Well, thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Um, oh. let, let's do this again on the next one, please. Absolutely,
0: man. Okay. Take please. care, right. Visit
2: directorsclubpodcast.com
0: for more bonus content as well as regular director centric episodes. Follow me on Letterboxd and Now Playing Jim and get ready because uh, in about a week or so, some bonus episodes are coming, some big ones. Uh, and check out my reviews and writing over at voicesvisions.net. Take care, everyone. And thanks again for my guests for showing up.